Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Going well? Cool. Excellent. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning. I thank you that it brings transformation. I thank you that there's hope, there's life, there's liberty, there's freedom, there's joy, there's love, there's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness in your word. And I thank you that this morning you provide an abundance of all that we need, all that we need to hear in the wonderful name of Jesus today. And everyone said... Amen. Just as a, a quick thing, just before uh, I launch into the Word this morning, uh, tonight, if at 5 p.m. it is raining, it's still on. The, the picnic, uh, I'm cancelling the picnic if, at 5 if it's raining, uh, but if it's raining up at the summit at 5 p.m., I'm still going to be there and I'm going to be praying uh, at that, uh, that point tonight because I believe that a little bit of discomfort standing in the rain is nothing compared to what people are going through in our nation today and we need to make a stand as a people of God to say you know what doesn't matter if it's raining I'm going to pray for my nation I'm going to pray for the communities I'm going to pray for the families that uh, that need prayer because I believe that prayer changes things and many of us here today we understand that prayer changes things so uh, we're going to be praying at the very least uh, up at the summit today at five. So if it's raining, leave your lunch or your tea at home, but bring your, your faith and your Bible and maybe a raincoat. <laughs> cool. So uh, this morning I'm going to uh, continue in with a, a, a small series that I'm doing at the moment called Mind the Gap. Everyone say, Mind the Gap. Mind the Gap. Uh, earlier this year, Jane and I went on a holiday. Uh, we went to a number of different places. Uh, and uh, we went to Singapore, Sydney, England, France, and places like that. At each of those places, we uh, were fortunate to be able to use public transport. We used the underground train system in, uh, in England, and there was a warning um, to mind the gap that was at the edge of the, the train platform. So you'd have the edge of the platform there, there was a small gap, and then there was the train uh, that was there, and there was these warnings that said you had to, to mind the gap. Because if we don't mind the gap, then we run the risk of falling and getting hurt, or sadly, some people have been killed uh, because they didn't mind the gap. There's a, there's a cost. It can be really high if we don't mind the gap. And my, my prayer is that this message uh, will empower us all to make some wise changes in our lives to see us thrive in life and to reduce the likelihood of burnout and of being overwhelmed in this coming year. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this, So teach us to number our days so we get a heart of wisdom. God says that we are uh, to live as a people who number our days. We are to be stewards of the time that's been given to us. This means that we are managers, we are keepers, we are guardians of the time that God has allowed to us. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but uh, I'm a person that just has 24 hours in a day, and I would strongly suspect that you are a person who has the like amount of hours in your day as well. If you have extra hours, please come and see me. If you'd like to donate those to me, that would be fantastic. I could always do with extra time in the day, and some others would probably be the same way as well. So um, what, it, what it means is that uh, the way that we look after our time enables us to effectively deal with the emergencies, the the surprise things that happen during the day and just the mundane things in life as well. And to do this, we need to be able to mind the gap. 
that we have in life. The gap is a safety net. It's a place where we try not to step into. In other words, we're building in a margin or space, a buffer into our lives. It's the area that surrounds our lives, like the margin on a page. If you look at a page, for instance, on my Bible here, I have a margin that goes around the page there. And uh, it makes it easier to read the, the, the pages, uh, the words on a page uh, and things like that. So uh, it, it's, it surrounds the, uh, our lives, this whole thing of a buffer, the space we can run into sometimes. Uh, we can like uh, just cheat a bit and run into that margin, but then we come back into the space that we've allowed for that stuff. Sometimes though, we've made a lifestyle of using up that space, that gap, that, that margin in our lives. And it's no wonder that sometimes we feel completely burnt out. We feel overwhelmed. We feel like we've got no time. We're out of control and we need to regain that gap. So we need to mind that gap. Uh, last week, we looked at four gap stealers and you can check those out on the podcast. They were acceleration, avoidance, apps. It's a gap stealer. That'll, that'll steal your margin. Uh, is those apps. I, I mean, Jane was sharing with me this week where she was uh, doing something and just went to check an app on her phone and uh, before she knew it, that time had blown out and she didn't get to do what she wanted to do because she was on an app. Uh, and that happens to us all. I mean, if we've got an app uh, that we like checking, that's, that's where it's going to be a gap stealer. And the other one was alternatives. So this morning... Um, I just want to talk a little bit more about this whole thing about minding the gap. When we used the, the underground in London uh, and we caught the trains to Brighton because we were on our way to a football match, <laughs> real football, people uh, were employed at these train stations and on these platforms to warn other people about minding the gap. There were constantly automated messages that talked about minding the gap. There were people who would blow a whistle when people weren't minding the gap and they were in the space that exposed them to a level of danger or to uh, harm because they were in that space of uh, standing in that gap. And it's quite easy for us to forget the gap. And when we do, sometimes we can hurt ourselves and sometimes we can hurt the people around about us as well. I've had a few times in my own life where I've been driving my car and I've had a warning light come up on my dashboard and uh, I've got a decision that I need to make right then and there, whether I need to stop or if I'm going to press my luck and keep going. See, those dashboard lights, they'll come up and they'll flash at you. I, I remember having one, and I just couldn't figure out what this, this dashboard light was, so I actually rang the, the car uh, place uh, the, as a manufacturer of my car, and I said, I've got this dashboard light coming up on my dashboard, and I, I can't figure out what it is. The, the car seems to be a bit sluggish, and I described to him what it was, and he says, you might like to take the handbrake off. And that, that instantly fixed my problem right there. But it was, and if I hadn't had that warning sign on my dashboard, I would have had no clue. So those warning signs on our dashboard can be really, really helpful at times. If I ignore the warning light, I'm accepting the possibility of damaging my car if I don't stop. Or I can stop and I can get help at that time. 
Another example of this would be that Jane and I have now set up this uh, system with our internet data and also with our mobile phone data uh, whereby we get uh, emails or text messages warning us when we reach a certain percentage of having used our data allowance by those different providers because there's been times in our past where we didn't have those warning, uh, warning things come through and we maxed out on our data at times and it cost us uh, because they tried to, to say that you know, it was our fault, we didn't put the, the warnings in place and things like that. So there's this whole thing that you know, we, we have at our disposal where we can get warnings, we can get text messages and stuff like that uh, to help us to, to know that when we're going to eat into the gap that we have. And it's up to you and I to actually mind the gap in our lives. Do we heed the warnings and the messages or do we actually carry on regardless? See, in every one of these cases, whether it's the dashboard light that won't go out or the data usage, uh, emails and text messages that come through, these issues won't go away until we address the problem. And the problem is that we're not minding the gap that we have in life. Unlike our cars, we don't have a flashing light to tell us that there's a problem. We don't have or get emails suddenly come up on the inside of our glasses that says you're at 85% of, of capacity, you're at 90% of capacity. We, are, we don't get those things that, to tell us when we're near overload or that we are, have gone beyond our margin and we are not minding our gap. Remember that our margin is a buffer. It's a space. It's where we have room to breathe and to move again. There's no flashing light that tells us that we are at 80% of our capacity and now eating into our margin. See, at 80%, we've got some margin left. We've got some room to have some fun and and do some stuff because we've still got our gap in our life, that space that we can access and to use. We've still got room for new opportunities, for relationships maybe. And, and, and at 80%, if our boss uh, comes to us and asks us if we can work some extra hours, we can say yes because we've got some margin in our lives. We've got some gap because we've been strategic, thoughtful about the gap that we have. So we can say yes if our spouse asks us if we want to have that new family at church come over for a meal. Or if there's an opportunity to help out in God chases or in youth, hospitality, frontline, worship team or any of the other ministries that may be available for you to be a part of because we've still got some gap and some margin in our lives. At 100% of capacity, what's that? Body battery. Jane's got a body battery. Look at that. Side note. On an app. She's just checking her apps. at 100% of capacity, there's an amber light that's flashing on our dashboard and the boss or the spouse or our church asks us for something and we find it hard to make a decision because we're stressed and we're overwhelmed. At 120% of capacity, there's a big red flashing light going off on our lives and we're in overload The margin's gone. The boss asks us to do overtime and we tell him to take a hike. Uh, God chasers ask us to help out there and we tell Liz we hate kids. 
Hospitality asks us for help and we say, food's for wimps. You know, so we're at the max. We're in meltdown because we've not minded our gap. We've overrun our margins and there is nothing left. See, this is the thing though. We don't have these warning lights, these red or amber lights go off inside of us. We don't get these emails or text messages flop up in in our our internal lives that, that tell us and point to us that we are at the point of meltdown. But you know what? I do believe that we have internal and external markers showing us that Houston, we've got a problem. We've got a problem. See, fatigue is an internal and external marker. Being short-tempered, having a short fuse is an indicator. Feeling overwhelmed or out of control is an indicator. Increased fault-finding and unfair criticism of the people around about us is an indicator. Negative self-talk is often an indicator. A reduction in our spiritual discipline, such as prayer or Bible reading, or just coming once every month to church services where once upon a time you couldn't stop us from being at church, is an indicator that we're using up our margin and we're not minding our gap. We have a reduced capacity to give or to be generous anymore because we don't have the space in our lives. We are not minding our gap. Maybe it's because we're staying away from our home group. That we, that's another indicator that we're not minding the gap. So the question comes to us all, how do we build our gap? How do we safeguard that gap? How do we build a healthy margin in our lives so that we can mind our gap? Well, I want to say to us this morning, there's a power in accessing some things that will help us to mind the gap in our lives. The first area is power in rest. There's a power in rest. There is a power available to us in rest. God created us with the intention of having margin in our lives. One of the ways he intended this to happen was through the Sabbath. Have a rest. Have a rest. Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 to 9 says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. See, having a rest day means creating margin in our lives. Why do we have a rest? To connect with God. To connect with God. Don't have a rest so that you can focus on something else, but take that moment, take that that time to connect, reconnect with God, to engage with Father once more, to to, to be in His Word, uh, to bring the greatest way to refresh your life is actually through times of rest, resting in His presence. Resting in his word, resting in his amazing grace, resting in the finished work of the cross. When was the last time that you took a rest? Second area is that there's a power in developing a great attitude. There is a power available to help build in a healthy margin to to mind our gap by having a great attitude. See, No one's ever been given an unchangeable attitude. Everyone's been given an attitude that can increase in its value, but we must be willing to develop 
that attitude. Philippians 2.5 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ had. What's the Bible saying? It's saying develop a Christ-like attitude. Jesus was so busy in life, but do we see him getting flustered all the time? I'd probably suggest not. Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 to 23 says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. What's it mean? <clears throat> See, the lamp of the body being the eye, it's not talking about your eyeball. It's talking about your perception. It's talking about how you see things, the way that you perceive things that are in and around our lives. We can look at things poorly or we can look at things in a very positive, good, great way. A 92-year-old, well-poised and proud man is fully dressed each morning at 8 a.m. with his hair neat and his face shaved perfectly, even though he is legally blind. He was moved to a nursing home. His wife of 70 years recently had passed away, making the move necessary. And after many hours of waiting patiently in the lobby of the nursing home, he smiled sweetly when he was told that his room was ready. As he got into the elevator, the staff member provided a visual description of his tiny room, including the curtains that had been hung in his window. I love it. This gentleman said with enthusiasm of an eight-year-old like he'd just been given a new puppy for, for Christmas. Mr. Jones, you haven't even seen the room yet. Just wait. When you see it, it'll be fantastic. He said, me not seeing the room has nothing to do with it. Happiness is something that you decide ahead of time. Whether I like my room or doesn't depends on how the, isn't dependent upon how the furniture is arranged. It's dependent upon how I've arranged my mind. I've already decided to love it. It's a decision I make every morning when I wake up. I have a choice. I can spend the day in bed recounting the difficulty I have with the parts of my body that no longer work, or I can get out of bed and be thankful for the parts of me that do work. He says, each day is a gift. And as long as my eyes open, I will focus on the new day and all the happy memories that I've stored away. Just For this time in my life, old age is like a bank account, he said. You withdraw from what you've put in. See, it depends on how we see things. Having a great attitude depends on how we see things. Do we see God as a a great, you know, loving father? Or do we see him as an ogre, as a tyrant? How do we see God? How do we see life? How do we see things that are happening in and around about us? Jesus said that we were to possess an attitude in ourselves which was also in him. And it depends on what we are looking for. What are you looking for in life? The third thing, in helping to build and mind our gap, healthy margins, is the power of starting earlier. Oh, no. Here he goes, starting earlier. Instead of using acceleration or speed to catch up, start earlier. If you have 30 minutes to get to some place, try leaving a little earlier and give yourself a bit of margin. How often do we only start getting ready 
to go out five minutes before we're supposed to leave the house and because we're running behind, we're stressed, our margin's gone. It's better to start early. And there are many husbands just digging their wives in the ribs right now. Proverbs 12.27 says, Diligence is man's, man's precious possession. The word diligence comes from the word daily. Its origins are based in daylight. So it speaks of a person who is meticulous, thorough, persistent. A diligent start, person starts before dawn to bring their produce to the market where they are gathered at the centre of town and you set yourself up early if you want the best spot. That's what being diligent was. This is the whole context of this particular meaning for this word. Not only did these people get the best spot because they started at daylight, but they did it daily. We get the impression of someone who is diligent in what they're doing. Diligence teaches us that if we're going to mind our gap in life and to create space, we might have to start a little bit earlier. Develop an ability to be diligent in getting up so that we can have a quiet time that we can get healthy, we can go for a walk, start a little earlier, going places. Ephesians 5 verses 15 to 16 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Don't be unwise but make wise decisions about what we're going to do with our time and maybe there's a, a, accessing a power of starting a little bit earlier. In particular, if you're prone to exceeding the speed limit and you're running late, you know, it's not God's fault that you get the speeding ticket. It's yours because you, a bit of a lead foot, could have started earlier. The fourth area that we're talking about tonight or today, this morning, whatever the time is, um, is the power of balance. The power of balance. Each of us has an emotional reservoir, an energy tank that we have. It's like a, a big tank that we have. Counseling or dealing with conflict takes a great deal of emotional energy from me. Certain things drain my tank. They're not wrong. They just drain me. Whilst other things fill my tank. They energize me. How's our emotional tank today? How's our energy level, our, our energy tank today? When we don't f know what fills our tank, by default will be involved in doing things that drain our energy and our life away. We'll not be actually minding the gap of our lives. So what happens is that about four or five, after about four or five months is that we are suddenly finding ourselves running on empty. We're on the edge and we have no margin in our lives because we've not had balance in what drains us and what fills us, what energizes us. We still go to church, we still try to do the Christian thing, but it's not enough to fill our tank because there's no balance at work within our life. We are just constantly drained. If our relationships are going bad, then we've got a major drain happening. If our, we're struggling with our kids, we've got a major drain happening. If we're having a financial struggle, it's likely that we have a major drain sometimes. And sometimes we can't stop the drain because it's just something that we have to deal with. However, we can create balance and fill our tanks and our mind so that our gap can be looked after and we can care for and mind our gap in life. Take a moment 
this week and ask yourself, what fills your tank? What energizes you? What makes you feel good? What, what enables you to do the other stuff? What, what is it that actually fills your tank? But also identify the things that don't as well. Because and I, I do this sometimes. When I know that I've got a particularly busy week coming up and I look at the sorts of appointments that I've got coming up, I will try either before that week or after that week to do things that fill my tank, that energize me. Because we need to have a balance in life. So just as an example, this is what uh, actually drains my tank. Okay, so, so you can get an idea of what, when you're sitting down thinking about this, what is it that drains your tank? So this is some of the things that, that drain my tank. Excessive counselling. When I have to sit down and do a lot of counselling, back to back, it drains me. I get home, I'm absolutely depleted. I love helping people, but it, it drains my tank. The, uh, another one is being around <coughs> negative, complaining people. Okay, I'm not talking about anyone in this church. It's the church that's down the road. Just clarifying that right now. So being around negative, complaining people. Negative, complaining people drain me. When all they see are the problems and never come to you with a solution, all they're doing is, I heard the the phrase this morning, actually I read it somewhere, uh, they are a a keyboard warrior, a keyboard warrior. Uh, do you understand what I mean? That they, they do all their fighting with a the keyboard. They don't actually have the good manners to talk to you about stuff. All they see are the negative things, the destructive things, and they talk about those things. Another thing that d- uh, drains me is dealing with conflict. I know it's a part of my job sometimes, okay? But I don't have to like it because it drains me, okay? So those are some things that drain me. What about things that actually fill my tank. Here's some things that fill my tank. I love sitting down and talking about the Word of God. That I get such a buzz of sitting down with someone and we talk about a piece of Scripture and we challenge one another on that. And we say, well, why do you think that? I I do do this with Steve McCracken. And we sit down, like on Skype and stuff, and we'll talk about, yeah, but you, you, you're saying this, but what about? And we just talk about Scripture. I've got to tell you, I feel energized just talking about and discussing the Word of God with someone and just talking about it and, and, and digging deeper into it. Another thing that fills my tank, I love reading a good book, a good fiction book. You can call it escapism. You can call it whatever you like. I just like reading a good book. Lee Child, uh, Tom Clancy, Michael Connolly, uh, those sorts of books, you know, just full-on action books, stuff like that. They're not romances. I do not read romances. Okay, it's no Mills and Boone here. Okay. Another thing that, that I really find that, that energizes me, that fills my tank, is fishing. Now, I'm not really good at it. That's why they call it fishing. If it was called catching, it might be something different. But I'm just, I'm a fisher person. I like going fishing because I enjoy the peace and the solitude of just standing there holding a fishing rod and enjoying the scenery. For me, 
That, I don't care if I don't catch a fish. For me, it's just standing there or sitting there and enjoying the moment. I find that that, that fills me and it fills my tank. If there's some drains on our life and we can't get rid of them right now, then we must be sure to do things that fill our tank. There's got to be a balance. So as I wrap this up this morning, can I ask you today, is there an amber or even a red warning light on the dashboard of your life? You know what I'm talking about. It's those internal and external things that are indicators of that you've run out of gap. There's no more margin, you're overwhelmed, and you're close to meltdown. Are there things like that at work in your life today? Is, is it time to consider making some changes in your calendar? See, in my calendar, you, I, I specifically put in from 7 o'clock to 8.30 in the morning, go for a run. Because going for a run energizes me. It actually makes me feel better. I know that there's a physiological reason for that as well, that the endorphins get released because you go for a run and stuff like that. And that's, that's a great thing. Running may not be your thing, but it's in my calendar because it, it, it actually energizes me. What's not in your calendar that needs to be in your calendar? And what is in your calendar that you need to do less of or to rearrange so that you bring your life into a balance? Is it time to make some changes? You might recognize that it's time to make a change. If you want to see this year out and you want to come to the end of December 2020 and you're full of life, you're full of vigor, you've got your mojo happening and it's life's good. But you've got to ask yourself, you know that you need to make some changes. Here's, here's the next question. When will you make those changes? When will you make those changes? When will you make those changes? Because unless, and this is something I, I learned from Bill Hybels, who, uh, whatever you think of him, I think he's an incredible man of God. Uh, he said that after you go to a conference or you're in a sermon and you hear a message and things like that, unless you've made a decision to change something within the first 72 hours of hearing that, then it is unlikely that you will ever change anything and 12 months later you'll still be the same because you didn't make any changes. The clock's now ticking. The clock's now ticking. What changes do you need to make in your life? Because you've now got 71 hours, 55 minutes and 13 seconds left to make this decision. When are you going to make the change? When are you going to make the change? Because when we make goals, unless we put a timeline to our goals, how do you know that you've arrived? I've set myself some goals this year. I know that at the end of this year, December the 31st, I want to have run 
2,020 kilometers. I can achieve that by running 38 kilometers per week. This first week of this year, I've run 42 and a half. I'm ahead of the curve. It's going to take discipline to continue to see those results. But I've set a timeline to the goal that I've set myself to make the changes in my life. When will you make your changes? Let's stand. In this whole thing in talking about minding the gap, building healthy margins in our lives, there's a power in having rest. There's a power in developing a great attitude. There's a power in starting earlier and there is a power that's available to us in bringing balance back into our life. I, Father, pray that this year is different from every other year that we've all experienced in the past. That at the end of this year, because we have the courage enough to identify some things that need to change in our lives, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to help us to make those changes and to make them soon. I pray that every person here identifies things in their lives that need to change, that their schedule, their calendar needs to be rearranged in some way, shape or form, and that you help them to put those changes into place and then have the courage and the discipline to follow those things through. And I pray that in the wonderful name of Jesus today. While every head's bowed, just close your eyes. Talking about change, I don't know where everybody is today in maybe experiencing a faith change. A change in who the Lord of your life is. I don't know everybody here this morning. I don't know your faith background. I don't know your walk in life. It's fair to say that the majority of people here have made a decision that Jesus is the Lord of their life. They've made a decision to place faith in Him and made the greatest change possible to their lives. Have you made that change? Have you relinquished the lordship of your life from yourself to Jesus? And today, is it your turn to make the greatest decision you'll ever make, the greatest change that will ever happen in your life can happen this morning when you say, Lord, I don't really know you. I've heard about you. People have talked to me about you, but I don't know you for myself. And this morning, I want to know you for myself. Would you come in and be the Lord of my life this morning? If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do a very brave thing. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up so that I know that who I'm praying for this morning. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life and see change come in your life, and I'd ask you to put your hand up nice and tall because I want to pray for you. 
And I want to give you some resource that will help you to make this change that's necessary. Is there anyone here this morning you would like to make Jesus the Lord of your life this morning? Just put your hand up nice and tall now so that I know who I'm praying for. Is there anyone here? Anyone at all? Okay. Father, thank you for these wonderful people. Thank you for the goodness of God being shared with us in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks, Luke.